An eight-second difference in the game in shot clocks here at the end of regulation. They come to double Durant. Wainwright with eight to shoot. Back to KD with six. Durant driving on Hardaway. Pull-up jumper. Durant got it! And Phoenix has a two-point lead. 35 for Durant in just his third game as a... Here's Luka Doncic driving, spinning on a Kogi, getting deep, creating space. Missed the shot! Durant gets the rebound. Doncic was upset he missed the shot that he didn't foul Durant until another second went off the clock. And now Durant will shoot. Free throws at Devin Booker and Doncic go face to face. You know what? It's Wainwright has to step in. The officials have it. To Giannis on the move. And a Euro step through traffic. Embiid. Three for the lead. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to the All Things Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Vic Lopez, as always. This is part one of a two-part podcast where I break down some of the games that happened over the weekend. But before I start, the Kobe video is out on the YouTube channel. Uh, The link is in the show notes for anyone interested in watching. Also, I did my first of many play breakdowns on the YouTube channel. It's also on the Instagram page. If you do follow the All Things Basketball pod on Instagram, uh, I'm actually, it's it's been kind of like only a story posted Instagram where I'm just posting uh, the pods, right? Like when a pod comes out, I just post it on the story. When a YouTube video is out, I post it on the story. So not a lot of posts on that account, but I'm going to be starting immediately. Uh, Every weekend, I'll be working to create a bunch of play breakdowns and then release them hopefully every week. Uh, These play breakdowns aren't going to run longer than like a minute and a half, uh, which is similar to the one I broke down, which is on that YouTube channel between the Celtics and the Cavs. Uh, It was a play that happened last week when they played against each other on Wednesday. Uh, Like I said, the video is like a minute long. Highly recommend you guys check that one out. It gives you a glance at the nuances of the game and just how that incredible play even came about in the first place. Uh, But without further ado, I want to start with the Mavs versus the Suns, which was one of the more exciting games I've watched this season. It was one of the more exciting games of the weekend in general. Watched Mavs Suns. Uh, it was obviously the Kyrie KD matchup. It was the the Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Luka Doncic beef revisited. Right, uh, you know Luka and Kyrie. Just as I started to watch that game, it's just you know they're such a strange match for each other. Like it's a match that puts up numbers. But it's just not sustainable, in my opinion. Like, you have Kyrie, right, who wants to push the pace and excels at attacking a defense that's still getting back, right? A defense that's scrambling, right, kind of still setting up. He's extremely elite at attacking an unset defense, right? Because often you see a lot of guards in the NBA and just anyone really in the NBA that's going to attack an unset defense kind of gets a little chaotic. Some players, you know, lose their ball handle for a couple of seconds. They, They kind of... I don't know, they kind of like lose control, but Kyrie is a magician in the chaos, right? Just, you know, he really thrives in chaotic sequences where teams are scrambling to pick up, right? But Kyrie is a magician with his handle, period. And we all know he can create a shot in any situation anyway, right? Like, whether the defense is set or not, Kyrie is going to get a pretty damn good look for himself. Uh, But it's just, you know, it's an interesting way, right? Because it's just a crazy match between the two because Luka, on the other hand, loves to play at a slow pace, loves to dissect the defense in half court. It's a clash of two styles 
that makes for a ton of shot attempts for two players alone, right? Like this makes the rest of the team irrelevant in a lot of possessions because so often you're watching guys stand around just watching Kyrie and Luka try to cook, right? You're just watching them go to work. And to be fair, Kyrie and Luka do try to give guys like Reggie Bullock, Tim Hardaway Jr., Maxi Kleba some looks as well. But the offense doesn't flow as often as it should. Um, but that's not something that happened in this game, right? Obviously, in this game, there was no Maxi Kleba, right? Which I thought was going to be a pretty big setback for the Mavs because this is a guy that's going to pull out, you know, DeAndre Ayton, maybe even KD, right? Just pull out some lanky guys from outside of the paint because he can stretch the floor and that just allows Kyrie and Luka and the others to attack freely at the basket, right? But to be fair, right, they did give the looks, right? Like, they came out of this game in a way that I... I, I expected the way that Luka and, and Kyrie started this game, right? Like, like obviously, you know, Doncic's the kind of guy that generates a lot of free throw attempts, which is definitely a huge benefit for the Mavs. Uh, but it's just so mind-blowing to me how iffy he is from the free throw line in general, right? Like, he takes 11 free throws a game, which is insane, right? It's a, it's a super high amount of free throws. Um, and he's shooting just 73% this season. Like, I can't imagine what Luka would average if he shot like 85%. From the free throw line right he's like he's a very sketchy free throw shooter very similar to lebron in that sense percentages right like those are the iffy free throw shooters and he's already averaging 33 points a game and shooting league average from 30 like 35 percent from three you know taking eight threes a game so that percentage of his from three is somewhat inflated because of how many threes he actually takes um but this game started off with the suns running a ton of motion offense they're whipping the ball around collectively scoring the maps came out of this game like i wanted to kind of start talking about so it was the typical luca Kyrie stagnant attempts right and the suns created a 10 point lead and jason kidd calls a timeout right and i could tell that likely he just told his team there needs to be more movement because they came out of that timeout and immediately it was a different Mavericks flow right like the ball was moving way more by the second quarter the Mavs were seemingly making every three-pointer off of great ball movement like the Suns were just scrambling uh, just just not rotating well defensively uh, you know the Mavs really taking advantage of double teams and the Suns were not taking care of the ball right so they were turning it over and that led to some easy Mavs baskets on the other end right so Mavs took the lead 47 to 44 which resulted in Monty Williams then calling a timeout Suns came out of that timeout responded very well you know they they were more intense on defense they caused a couple of Mavs turnovers courtesy of Josh Okogie who played really well but I'll get into the shooting night for him or the shooting day rather because it was an early game um, but in the midst of all this action I couldn't help but notice Chris Paul's involvement or lack thereof right like just kind of standing around not moving much swinging the ball around when it got to him but not really making any moves throughout the course of this game and I don't know if that's just him trying to figure out how to make this whole thing work maybe it's him just trying to stay healthy and avoid getting injured since he has way more help with the addition of KD maybe it's just kind of who he is at this point right but if you ask me I'd say he's probably just adapting to his new look team right like while also not trying to do too much since Katie and Devin are the kind of guys that can do work without help right like these guys can just do everything on their own um 
you know, he does, he just does a ton of walking, and it would be stupid of me to not bring up the fact that obviously CP3 is a 37-year-old point guard with a ton of miles on his legs, uh, so there's that, right? Uh, you know, 10 seconds left in this second quarter, it's Doncic being guarded by Chris Paul, who did a great job of standing his ground, but he did get away with fouling Luka on a three-pointer, and it was a no-call, and you get the jumping jacks animation from Luka Doncic, right, just pleading to the refs for a call, and honestly, at the, for that one, that play, uh, CP3 definitely got away with a foul, right, a, a three-point shooting foul, which, you know, judging by Luka's percentage, just, you know, who knows what that would have turned into, but either way, you know, it's free points uh, at the free throw line if he does knock those down. So, you know, the Mavs continued, you know, winning a gamble of allowing Josh Kogi, uh, just allowing him to shoot open threes, which resulted in misses, right? Like that's really looking like a go-to strategy option for teams playing against the Suns because when you're playing teams that are stacked like this, like like you have a KD, you have a Devin Booker, you even have to worry about DeAndre Ayton, who sometimes shows up, sometimes doesn't, but you can't sleep on Ayton either, right? And then you have Chris Paul, obviously, you never know what he's going to do these days. So someone has to be cheated off of, right, to, to kind of help your defensive scheme. And obviously, the decision was to allow Okogi open shots, right? And it was working. For the maps, right? They 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 were also, you know, continuing their great ball movement. As soon as double teams came for Kyrie or double teams came for Luca, it was swing swing. It was open three after open three. The the Suns really just scrambling, just just giving up open threes over and over again. Um, and Luca and Kyrie were killing in this game. When these two are at their best, it makes things very difficult for teams. But I just can't see them doing it over and over in the playoffs to win it all, right? Like, do you really expect Kyrie and Dantich to just pop off every single night in every playoff series? I just don't see that. I don't think it's sustainable. I don't think it's reliable, um, you know, and, and it's crazy to think because this game was very tic-tac and it felt like KD never missed any shots in this game, uh, you know, and Chris Paul just comes to life in the fourth quarter but it was really more of a Mavs just kind of deciding to sleep on him because he was so quiet in this entire game that I think the Mavs were thinking okay this is the kind of Chris Paul game that we're gonna have to live with leaving him kind of open right like really sagging on him because he really wasn't doing anything in this game um and then I fast forward to the point where both these teams are just trading bucket for bucket. Uh, this is where Chris Paul comes to life, basically. He's knocking down open threes. He's actually uh, putting a couple of dribble moves together to kind of draw some attention in the mid-range area um, to kind of make himself felt, right? Like, he he, he definitely took some advantage of, of being sagged off on, right? Um, but you fast-forward it, right? It, it's 126 to 126. It's the final seconds of this game. Luka lobs it to Dwight Powell for a dunk. 126-126. Durant hits a tough pull-up jumper, which is contested by two defenders. He puts the Suns up 128-126. to Luka comes back with a super easy look for a layup that just unluckily rolls out. And the game is pretty much over at that point. And when you're looking at the box score, this game was exactly what the box score showed. It was just a powerhouse numbers game. Durant goes off for 37 points. Booker goes off for 36. 
Luka goes off for 34. Kyrie gets his 30. It was an awesome, exciting, tick-for-tat game. Just trading buckets. Both teams just, you know, obviously some, some tough defensive moments for both teams, right? But the Mavs looked really good. I would say, though, the Mavs really... Uh, you know, Luka had a tough shooting night for three, from three. Um, but, you know, the rest of the guys really cashed in from three. Like, they were really knocking down their open opportunities. It was really just down the stretch, KD being KD. Um, the Suns just kind of honing in, right? Holding down the fort. Um, and obviously, the chemistry isn't there yet for the Suns, for the Mavs, right? Like, these two teams still trying to kind of figure it out. But after watching this game... You, I really got the sense of how this playoff series is potentially going to go, right? And yes, it's just one game where you see KD and Kyrie go at it, but I can really tell that it's going to be a battle of the role guys showing up. Like, this is really going to swing the series because KD is going to be KD, right? Devin Booker is going to be him. Uh, we don't know what version of Chris Paul is going to show up in this series, right? Um we don't know we definitely don't know what version of DeAndre Ayton is going to be in this game he's a major factor in a series in a Mavs Suns series right because this is a guy that the Suns don't have someone to answer for at the rim Christian Wood not a defender right and, and I really like Christian Wood I, I me personally I would put Christian Wood over Dwight Powell in the starting lineup, and I get it. Dwight Powell, I'm not going to say he's a lockdown defender, but he does show way more effort defensively. The problem is Dwight Powell is way more limited offensively. So if it's not like a lob catch or a tip-in or like a putback, he's really not a threat out there, right? Like when he when when they run a pick and roll with Dwight Powell, he's diving. Like that's it, right? Like that's all that's going to happen. And that's very limited at that position. And in a game where you're you're playing against KD, Devin Booker, like these are guys that are going to light you up. And Kyrie, you know, some games he's hot, some games it's inefficient. Luka, he's going to put up numbers, but let's be honest, shooting wise, that's a question as well. We know that. And if the offense gets stagnant, if you meet a game, if you if you meet these Mavs on a game where the role players aren't knocking down shots, it's a disaster game, right? And they could quickly get blown out in games like that. So, you know, the Suns are pretty damn deep, you know, um, not like big names, but but definitely some pretty spread out effort within those role players. You know, at any given moment, you can have some guys show up. So, you know, this series, I really hope we get it. I really hope we see this series just because of just like the, the little tactics that you see, right? Like, like okay, Luka catches the ball in the post. The Suns will double. Is Luka going to find a shooter? And if he, fi if he does find that shooter, right, which he often does, will that shooter knock down the shot? Do the Mavs gamble and just double on Kyrie, double on, on Luka, and give up opportunities to those other shooters? If those shooters are knocking down shots, it forces the hand of the Phoenix Suns. Now they have to kind of go, man right and just hone in and hope guys hold their own one-on-one -on -one, which then gives Luca the advantage in those one-on-ones Luca's one of the best one-on-one -on -one scorers in the league not because of like a crazy dribble package but obviously because this guy just figures it out and he's very smart he can get a bucket in any situation he's just very 
advanced right in terms of figuring out a defender figuring out a scheme so you know you give Kyrie a one-on-one situation you give Luka a one-on-one situation now all of a sudden you're playing into the hands of of two great one-on-one players right that can just get a bucket in any situation so it's a really it's a big mind game uh, that these guys play with each other, and this is an awesome series. You know, you have Jason Kidd uh, making pretty good decisions, right? Like he calls that timeout when they go down ten, and immediately calls for this team to just stop stagnating the offense between those two stars and swing that ball, right? Like, like when Kyrie's attacking and he just makes an extra pass. Maybe it finds Luca. Luca makes an extra pass. Maybe Luca should have taken a shot, but it just gives that extra pass. The more attempts you give to these role players, the hotter they're going to get, right? Because you're giving them more reps. You're giving them more involvement. So Reggie Bullock, not a guy that's going to that's gonna rain threes, um, you know, consistently. This is a, a one of those streaky shooters, right? Same with Tim Hardaway Jr. But, but when these guys are involved and they get to take a couple of shots, right? Like you give them some early attempts, they can catch a rhythm and they can swing a game for you, right? And then at that point, like I said, teams have to find out what to do, right? At, at that point, it's 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 really you're, you're playing into the game the Mavs want to play. You know, you spread out the offense. Uh, it makes the entire team a threat, which then makes Kyrie and Luka a bigger threat. Because, like I said before, you're basically guarding them one-on-one. But anyways, this was an awesome game. The The Suns hold on. They win that game on KD's jumper. It was a dope game. It was awesome. I think it was probably, uh, well, I don't know if it was if it was more exciting than Knicks Celtics, but I will say from a, from a star name standpoint, it was a bigger game between the Mavs and Suns. Uh, I want to move on to Bucks Sixers, which happened on Saturday, right? Bucks going into this game with a 16-game win streak. Chris Middleton still on that knee injury management. He did not start in this game. My initial thoughts before watching this game uh, were, were that the Bucks are just a bad matchup for the Sixers simply because Giannis's pace, just running up and down the floor, it plays a major factor of how hard it is for Philly to match up against the Bucks because Embiid and Harden, like I always say, not guys that get up and down the floor quickly. And Giannis gets a ton of easy baskets against the Sixers in transition alone. And speaking of transition buckets, Tyrese Maxey, back in the starting lineup ever since they played the Mavs, it was no surprise to see him in the start in the starting lineup because of this specific matchup. You know, Maxi, as we all know, dude's going to play at hyperspeed. So many times I've seen Sixers possessions where they grab a defensive rebound and Maxi just goes coast to coast on his own, right? While Embiid and Harden are kind of like, you know, kind of jogging, but not really. Like, like you can tell they're not even going to get across half court and Tyrese Maxi's already on the other end uh, with a tough finish, right? In a transition play. So he adds another dimension to this team, but he, but when you put Maxi out there in the starting lineup, it does hinder uh, production from your bench, right? Because if he's starting, once he goes on the bench with those starters, and if, if Doc Rivers doesn't manage those minutes properly, your bench can really suffer in the long run, right? Like just the rotation, you, you lose that power, right? That scoring punch when Maxi starts, um, off the bench, obviously, you lose that scoring punch. So first quarter, super entertaining. You get Giannis immediately aggressive, straight to work, getting to the free throw line. He's finding shooters when the Sixers collapse. It's the type of game that should scare any opposing team. 
against the Bucks. Drew Holiday's knocking down catch and shoot threes. Brooke Lopez is scoring all over the floor. He's hitting runners. He's hitting jumpers. He is just defensively, he's just always there. Bobby Portis comes off the bench, immediately gets buckets. Three for three from the field. He hits his only three. He shot perfectly in the first quarter. And, you know, the Sixers responded well. You know, Embiid goes four for seven from the field in the first quarter. He makes his only three in that quarter. He's also swinging the ball around. He had four assists. You have James Harden off to a hot start with eight points in the first quarter. He's knocking down a couple of tough threes. Tyrese Maxey staying aggressive, getting to the free throw line without also compromising the flow of the game, right? Like he's not playing in a way that compromises the team, just just playing within that flow. And this matchup between Brooke Lopez and Joel Embiid, uh, it's just, it's super interesting because of the mind games that you see these two guys uh, play with each other, right? Like Embiid always starts off against Embiid, just kind of like giving him the jumper, right? Allowing him some open mid-range jumpers, like tempting Embiid to to pull those up, right? Because we all know if you're going to, the best bailout for your team is Embiid just loving the jumpers, right? But obviously in this game, Embiid knocking them down, right? And, And Lopez just wanted to see if Embiid had it in him that game. And obviously Lopez is a great shot blocker and he uses angles really well, but if Embiid's jumper is falling, it does force Lopez to get up even closer to contest harder, right? Which then in turn, it gives Embiid free reign to jab step Lopez, right? To either back up or just blow by him with ease because Lopez not quick footed, right? Like Embiid. And it's why Lopez keeps some space between himself and Embiid. Like when you watch these guys, when you're watching Lopez guard Embiid, there's always a little bit of space in between, right? Like just enough for Lopez to contest a shot late with his length, but also enough to react to Embiid attacking on drives. And Embiid recognizes this strategy, right? Like he's he's seen it countless times against Brook Lopez. And he and we all know Brook Lopez is a drop coverage center. So this is typically the way he defends. And Embiid has to kill him in the mid-range to make him honest. It's either that or Embiid is just gonna bulldoze his way through and put Brook Lopez in foul trouble, right? But Brook Lopez really good at staying out of foul trouble he blocks shots without fouling he alters shots without fouling just does a great job of positioning himself he is everything these these bucks need right and you have pick and rolls between holiday and lopez which are very chaotic for the sixers because you put harden or maxi in a position where none of them can do anything about lopez if they get switched on him in the paint when he rolls down and and they are free buckets for lopez right um but the second quarter starts Both teams are tied at 29, Harden and Embiid on the bench, and this is where we get the little bits that we're going to see in a playoff series, right? Embiid and Harden, not on the floor. How do the Sixers hold the fort, right? And, And Giannis, surprisingly, he's actually playing in the beginning of the second quarter, which which is a little surprising in this situation because, you know, I understand it's a game plan that Budenholzer wants to take advantage of, right? Like, obviously, no one can deal with Giannis on that Sixers roster if Embiid is not out there. Uh, Giannis is just incredibly hard as it is, and if you don't have that rim protector down there, it's it's just free reign for Giannis to attack. But it is a risky decision because if the Bucks don't get a big lead while Embiid's resting, once Giannis comes off the floor, it reverses the advantage back to Doc Rivers and the Sixers because now uh, the Sixers are playing a game against the Bucks' supporting cast 
who haven't really been good without Giannis on the floor. So, you know, Doc Rivers really, really outcoached uh, Budenholzer in this game, and I'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, but Harden comes into the game basically immediately in the second quarter, uh, but Embiid stays on the bench, which makes some sense because Harden is a great playmaker, and if Giannis is out there while your best player is resting, you do need to put someone out there that can help the team hold its own. And, you know, P.J. Tucker takes the Giannis assignment, uh, as we always see it, uh, which is ideal because it wears down Giannis even more. Um, of course, Embiid checks in right at about half point of this uh, second quarter. And it happens to be obviously at the same time because uh, Doc Rivers is basically mirroring the Giannis minutes. So Giannis goes to the bench. Embiid is obviously in now. And it's just great for Philly, right? Just great minute management by Doc Rivers. Uh, the Bucks were still up 42 to 38. Potentially a nice chunk of possessions for the Sixers in this second quarter without Giannis out there. Uh, but it was still back and forth, right? Like neither team pulling away. Drew Holiday held it down, just knocking down shot after shot. You have Brooke Lopez with a crazy sequence that just shows how special he is for these Bucks. He blocks Embiid in the paint. Drew Holiday off that rebound, goes down the court, turns back around, finds Lopez who's trailing for a top of the key three. Lopez knocks that three down after blocking Embiid. Awesome sequence, everything these, these Bucks need. And meanwhile, you know, after Embiid got blocked, he just takes forever to get up, barely even runs back. In fact, you couldn't even see Embiid on the screen, like on, on the TV, until Lopez's shot had actually gone in. So, you know, Drew Holiday, just great post-up guard. So many possessions he's scoring in the post. Loves to get buckets off contact. So physical. And the fact that he can shoot just makes him invaluable to the Bucks as well. So throughout this game, you know, James Harden was knocking down a lot of shots. And anytime he would get to the rim, it wasn't happening for him. You know, just the length from the Bucks really, really troubles Harden, especially at this stage of his career. He's not as athletic as he used to be. So the length does bother him. Um, but he had a great game. And over and over, Maxi just tough bucket after tough bucket, mid-range, attacking the basket with mind-boggling finishes right at the rim like you always see him do, knocking down catch-and-shoot threes. And, you know, this game was just tit-for-tat. Uh, and in the third quarter, where Grayson Allen comes alive after just doing nothing the entire first half, like, he is at his best when he is aggressive. And I don't mean aggressive in terms of shooting, but just doing something with the ball, even if it's not scoring. Like when Grayson Allen was catching passes in this third quarter, the defenders are usually instructed by the coach to close out hard because Grayson Allen is a streaky shooter, but he does have good mechanics and he can get insanely hot, which is exactly what happened in this third quarter, right? So, you know, but, but like I said, he needs to be aggressive. Like defenders would come close out on him in this third quarter and off of some great bucks ball movement, he's semi open, but he sees the defender closing out hard. So he just immediately puts the ball down and attacks, right? Just take advantage of those hard closeouts over and over. And it just caused more chaos, right? Because now the matches are all messed up when he's attacking like that. So defenders will close out on him. It was great ball movement by the Bucks, And I mean, way too often, I see Grayson Allen up like before this point in the third quarter and just in other games, standing around, doing nothing. And this is a dude well-coached in college, 
He played over 140 games for Duke. So this is someone that's played a lot of meaningful basketball. He's been well coached. He, he, he should know the game, right? So he is a traffic cone on defense, and I'm fine with bad defenders as long as they're productive offensively. Like, if you're not going to hold your own on defense, you have to give the coach a reason to play you for offense. And that's exactly what Allen did in this third quarter. 20 points in the third quarter. Transition threes, just catch and shoot threes, swing, swing, catch and shoot three. He was money in this third quarter. And this version of Grayson Allen where he's putting the ball down attacking closeouts swinging the ball not standing around moving around knocking down his shots it does wonders for the Bucks. and you know the Bucks in this third quarter they were raining threes in the third quarter 69% from three they take a 99 to 85 lead going into the fourth quarter and this is where the mistake by Budenholzer in my opinion causes the Bucks the game so it came off of an awful quarter for Giannis in the third, right? He took a couple of threes. They didn't go in. Took some jumpers. They didn't go in. But he got some rest during that run in the third quarter. But I don't understand. Coach Budenholzer starts Giannis in the fourth quarter. You have a 14-point lead. Why not ride it out for a few more possessions? And Bede is also on the bench to start the fourth quarter. So you have a 14-point lead. And Bede is resting why would you continue to have Giannis out there knowing that you run the risk of, you know, the Sixers catch a hot streak. Now the game is close. Now you're in that game where you either keep Giannis or, or you have to rest Giannis at crucial moments. So I don't understand why Budenholzer made that decision. And the Bucks lead gets cut immediately. You know, you started the fourth with Giannis. You blow your lead. The game is going down to the wire. Giannis ends up playing in a bang-bang game like this one, you have to be smarter about managing playing time. You can't make these rookie mistakes, right? Like, even with that major mistake, the Bucks were ahead, right? Like, by two to three points throughout this fourth quarter. But the score was 125-121. The Bucks were up. Harden and Embiid, they run a very high pick and roll, which frees up Harden. Yes, it was a very deep three, but he cashed it in. So it's 124 125 bucks up with a minute left Giannis who looks exhausted missed a layup near the basket with a bead on him Sixers go to the other end Harden attacks a bad closeout by Drew Holiday which basically causes the entire bucks to collapse on Harden to stop a free easy bucket and being the great playmaker that Harden is he finds Embiid at the top of the key just bullet pass to Embiid um and Embiid Pump fakes Middleton, who's closing out, but he pump fakes him out of the picture, knocks down the three, Sixers up 127-125. Bucks could not grab a defensive rebound on so many possessions in this quarter. Sixers got a ton of offensive rebounds, and that was pretty much ball game, right? The game ended, James Harden, maybe the best game of the season, 38 points, 10 assists, 9 rebounds, 11 for 11 from the free throw line, 5 for 9 from three. 26 points from Maxi. You get a great game from Embiid. 31 points, 10 assists, 3 for 5 from 3. And by the way, I didn't even notice this until kind of like throughout that game. Tobias Harris only played 13 minutes. He had some calf soreness. 
Uh, and then also P.J. Tucker left around the third quarter with some back spasms. So these guys were shorthanded. They came from behind. They outcoached Budenholzer. And it was just a great statement win for the Sixers. This is a huge win. And the Bucks' defense broke down. And also the time management by Budenholzer was bad with Giannis. So it was like a, a mixed bag of throwing the game while also the Sixers just outcoaching. So it was an awesome game. There was a lot of mind games. It was everything and more that you could expect from a matchup like this that you're potentially going to see in the playoffs. This was a great game. I don't want this to run uh, longer, so I'm going to do part two of this pod, which could be uh, relatively shorter, but it is going to be the Knicks-Celtics game, which went to double overtime. And the Knicks are just... They're just playing amazing basketball right now. And I don't want to continue to talk about that one because I will put that for part two. So stay tuned for the part two pod where I'm breaking down uh, Knicks Celtics. Uh, Hope you guys enjoyed this one. That's going to do it for this episode. This is the All Things Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Vic Lopez, as always. And I'll catch you guys on the next one.